Group dynamics can have a huge impact on the success of a meeting. And understanding group dynamics can give us tools to manage them and even use to our advantage to improve meeting outcomes. In this episode, we're going to discuss power dynamics, the role of conflict styles, and group think, as well as introduce you to the team dimensions profile, which is a tool for assessing team roles. Welcome, meeting makers. I'm your host, Lauren Green meeting coach and facilitation trainer, here to help you unsuck your meetings one episode at a time. I've helped hundreds of professionals and organizations through leading inclusive, engaging, and productive meetings. And now I'm offering this podcast to help you do the same. Think of this podcast as an ongoing workshop, where each time you tune in, you'll get a bite-sized nugget of knowledge you can apply right away. If you lead meetings or might someday, you're in the right place. Let's make your meetings work. Remember Taylor, our project manager from the last episode? Well, Taylor is in a project team meeting led by her supervisor, Bob. Remember their customer, Jerry? And if you didn't, go back to episode two. Check it out. Well, Bob wants to brainstorm ways to address the delays that are leading to some of Jerry's complaints. There are 12 people in this meeting, a mix of Taylor's team and two other project teams who are working together on the deliverable. And after the opening of the meeting, Bob asks if anyone has any ideas on how to address these delays. Taylor tries to collect her thoughts, but before she can chime in, Becky jumps in with her own idea, which would ultimately put more work on Taylor's team. Taylor opens her mouth to speak, but again, before she can, Megan follows Becky in agreement, and the two of them go back and forth on how to move work onto Taylor and her team's plate. Taylor's head is spinning, but she doesn't know what to say or what to do. And then Bob chimes in to say, looks like we have our answer. Meanwhile, TJ, who is on Taylor's team, tries to private message Taylor and explain to her that they can't possibly take on the work that the others are asking for. Then Taylor tries to private message Bob that they should talk offline. But before Bob responds, TJ interrupts Bob to express his concerns. And it's clear that Bob does not appreciate this interruption from one of Taylor's direct reports, which is two levels below Bob. But Bob proceeds to tell TJ that this is the only way forward. And then the meeting comes to an end. Taylor feels overwhelmed and she's already getting messages from everyone on her team asking why she didn't speak up. So what is Taylor supposed to do? She's not in charge. And she feels helpless and she is ready to write her resignation letter. Let's take a beat, meeting makers. I'm sure many of you can identify with how Taylor is feeling. But let's take a step back and look at what's going on here. This example with Taylor's team is what happens every day when you put people with different personality preferences, experience, needs, and whatever they ate that morning into a room together. And we call that group dynamics. Group dynamics in meetings can vary widely depending on factors such as the purpose of the meeting, the personalities of the participants, communication norms, and the organizational culture. In this episode, we're going to go over some common group dynamics that are happening in Taylor's scenario, plus a few others that you may have observed in your own meetings. And in future episodes, we're going to give you tools on how you can address some of these different situations, even if you're not the one leading the meeting, because that's the whole purpose of this season. 
First, let's talk about power dynamics. In most meetings, one or more individuals may emerge as having more power than others. Maybe they set the agenda, they control the conversation, or they influence decision-making. In Taylor's situation, there's clearly a power dynamic that starts with Bob, her supervisor. As the one with the dominant power structure, Bob, whether he realizes it or not, will pull more power in the meeting. What Bob says goes, and this is true of most organizations that operate with top-down management. Outside of positional power, participants with a large degree of expertise or social charisma may also carry more weight in meetings. Is this fair to the tailors of the world? Absolutely not. And most of the time, those with social power are very unaware that their natural personality commands a larger presence. So for the tailors of the world, we feel your pain. And just know that there are ways you can make space for yourself amongst more dominating personalities. And if you're the Bob or the one with a lot of social charisma, ask yourself, how might I use my situation to uplift the voices of others? And that brings us to some issues of diversity and inclusion. As I'm recording this, I recognize that I have experienced a great deal of privilege in my life and that I continue to always learn how others experience injustices and inequities in the workplace and the world beyond. Women, Black, Indigenous, people of color, people with disabilities, other minority groups, there are many scenarios that put people in situations where their voices are dismissed or diminished. They may find themselves speaking but not being heard or having someone else offering the same idea a moment later and another person receives credit for it. The diversity of backgrounds, experiences, and perspectives within a group can affect the dynamics in ways that those with more privilege may not notice or recognize. So to go back to the Bobs of the world and anyone who identifies with either a dominant gender, ethnicity, or culture in the organization— Again, how might you use your position to create space for others? Being an advocate or an ally means more than just saying you support diversity and inclusion, but rather taking action to ensure those in your community and workplace are given the same opportunities and space to speak that you may be granted innately. In January 1986, in a meeting of NASA engineers and leaders, The engineers raised concerns about the O-rings, a critical component of the shuttle's solid rocket boosters. But these warnings from the engineers were often discarded or downplayed by the leaders in the pursuit of maintaining launch schedules. On January 28, 1986, the world watched in horror as the rocket exploded shortly after takeoff. In the meetings prior to launch, positional power exceeded the expertise of the minority voice of engineers, who were seen as less important. The NASA Challenger case is well-documented in a cautionary tale about the importance of lifting up the minority voice in meetings. Sometimes it's life or death. Not to pick on NASA, I love you, NASA, but there's another great example of power dynamics highlighted in the Hidden Figures movie. This true story illuminates the remarkable contributions of African-American women, mathematicians, and engineers during the space race era. And while these brilliant women often played crucial roles launching astronauts into space, their voices and their accomplishments were often overshadowed by a deeply ingrained system of power dynamics that favored the majority. The film Hidden Figures underscores how racial and gender discrimination marginalized their achievements and emphasized the challenges that they faced to overcome institutional barriers and societal prejudices, 
ultimately proving that talent knows no race or gender. Their resilience and perseverance in the face of adversity serve as a powerful testament to the triumph of the human spirit against all odds. If you're listening to this podcast before July 2024 and want to get your hands on an opportunity to learn from me, Lauren Green, live, you're in luck. We are hosting the second annual Meeting Makers Academy workshop, Make Meetings Work, on Thursdays, July 11th to August 1st, 2024, from 12 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time U.S., We'll give you a hands-on opportunity to design a meeting, practice facilitating, and receive on-the-spot feedback to help you become more confident in your meeting skills and ability to lead inclusive, engaging, and productive conversations. You can sign up or learn more at www.makemeetings.work forward slash academy. Early bird signups end on May 30th and registration ends on July 10th, so act fast to get your spot today. Let's talk about personalities. In episode two, we talked about different personality types, so you can go back and listen to that if you have not already. Certain personality types and work styles may lead people to take up more airtime than others. In our opening example in this episode, Becky illustrates this nicely. She almost can't help herself. She has to talk to think and ends up accidentally dominating the conversation. In other scenarios, there might be an imbalance of personalities who need to think before talking, which could lead to crickets. When in actuality, there is a lot of good thinking going on. We just don't hear it. The theme of Quiet by Susan Cain explores the value and power of introversion in a world that often celebrates extroverted qualities. It's a great read if you identify as an introvert, but also if you identify as an extrovert who wants to better understand their introverted friends and coworkers. Also in episode two, we covered conflict styles. If you have an imbalance of participants who prefer to compete, this may lead to some high conflict meetings. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. And for some organizational cultures, competitive meetings may just work for you. I've seen it as a facilitator. But if you're someone who prefers collaboration or harmony, like Taylor, working in a culture like this can be draining and demoralizing. So when it comes to meetings, the tailors of the world may feel like they are constantly under fire. On the flip side, if you have an imbalance of people who prefer an avoiding or harmonizing style, that can lead to a lack of accountability. Everyone thinks that it's somebody else's job to solve the problems, usually someone in a higher position. And as a result, meetings are all talk and no action. Let me tell you a secret. The people at the top usually don't know what they're doing any more than you do, but they're too afraid to tell you that they are leading the organization based on a Harvard Business Review article that they Googled. In organizations that do complex work, the people at the top don't have the answers. The people doing the actual work do. And if you're one of those leaders, stay tuned. We've got a whole episode dedicated to the challenges that you experience when it comes to meetings. This accountability issue is not easily resolved, but it can start with meetings where the structures for brainstorming and group decision-making are considered. Let's take our Taylor situation again. Bob doesn't know how to fix the delays, and he clearly wants to have a collaborative conversation, but he has no idea how to run that kind of meeting. Bob needs season one of this podcast. Just kidding. 
But really, that is the whole reason that we're here to load up your toolkit and Bob's and Taylor's. But stay tuned. In later episodes in the season, we're going to deep dive into ways you can model positive accountability behavior. Right now, we're just kind of talking through all of the different situations that you might be observing. But let's keep going. Another situation that can result from an imbalance in avoiding or harmonizing styles is a common group dynamic buzzword called groupthink. Another term for groupthink is the Abilene Paradox. The Abilene Paradox is a concept introduced by management expert Jerry B. Harvey in the 1970s to illustrate a common phenomenon in group decision-making and communication. Imagine a family gathering in Coleman, Texas on a hot summer day. The family members include a husband, a wife, and the wife's parents. The wife suggests, let's drive to Abilene and have dinner at the cafeteria there. Nobody in the family particularly wants to go to Abilene, and it's a long, uncomfortable journey in the sweltering heat. However, everyone assumes that others want to go, so they all agree to the trip, thinking it's what the group desires. The family embarks on the trip to Abilene, enduring the discomfort and frustration throughout the journey. And when they finally arrive and have dinner at the cafeteria, they realize that nobody actually wanted to go to Abilene, but they went along with it to avoid disagreement. In the end, they had a miserable experience, and it was all due to lack of open communication and the incorrect assumption about others' preferences. So now put yourself in a meeting with a higher up in your company. They may suggest an idea, and either out of fear or political posturing, everyone else simply goes along with their idea. Now, let's say this idea has some unintended consequences, such as a product delay, as in Taylor's case. Social cohesion is another form of groupthink, one in which people want to feel connected to the popular mode of thinking or way of doing things. When a dissenting voice can lead to being ostracized by the rest of the team, there is little incentive for someone to disagree. These are difficult situations to resolve. But again, stay tuned. There are things you can do to bring more diverse voices into the conversation and avoid groupthink or Abilene paradox. Another way of understanding group dynamics is through the team dimensions profile, which is a really valuable tool that assesses individuals' preferred roles within a team, categorizing them into four key dimensions creator, advancer, refiner, and executor. Creators. They are innovative thinkers who generate new ideas and solutions. They excel at brainstorming and exploring possibilities. But if you have an imbalance of creators on your team, so maybe a lot of creators on your team, you may notice issues with the ideas actually getting refined and putting them into action. Advancers, on the other hand, are the driving force behind the team's progress. They are enthusiastic about moving projects forward and are skilled at promoting ideas and gaining buy-in from others. But if you have a lot of advancers on the team, you may notice that important details could be being overlooked if the group's eagerness is to move forward too quickly. Refiners, they bring precision and analytical thinking to the team. They have a keen eye for detail and ensure that projects are thoroughly examined and improved. Refiners are essential for quality control and preventing errors, but an imbalance of refiners or a lot of refiners can sometimes slow down the team's progress or lead to analysis paralysis. If you work with a lot of engineers and researchers, this is very common. 
Executors are more action-oriented team members who thrive on implementing plans and getting things done. They excel at turning ideas into concrete results and are reliable when it comes to meeting deadlines. Executors provide the necessary structure and follow-through for successful project completion. But a lot of executors on a team could show up as resistance to change or maybe struggling to adapt to new or unexpected situations. But what do you do if you have a team that prefers all the same role? This can sometimes happen since you already chose the same career or industry, so you may have similar preferences. The important thing here is to know that you can acknowledge this imbalance and try to use it to your benefit. You can't tell other people to change, but you can challenge yourself to work outside of your comfort zone and play with different roles. In short, an imbalance of a certain conflict style or personality on a team leads to group behaviors that can interrupt forward movement. If there's nothing else you take away from this episode, it's that we're all people. People with emotions, personalities, preferences, and needs. What you ate this morning, whether you got your morning walk-in, whether your dog did his business or took his time making you late for your 8 a.m. scrum meeting, everything going on in your life impacts how you show up. So in your next meeting, show up with a little bit more empathy. Now that we've given you more tools and information for understanding how people and groups work, it's time to talk meeting etiquette. In the next episode, we will give you tips for navigating others' less-than-ideal behavior and try to help you realize where it may be time to make a change in your own. So hold on to that patience, that empathy, and understanding meeting makers Let's make your meetings work. This podcast was written by Lauren Green and produced by Caitlin Murray. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few seconds to rate and review so future meeting makers can find our community. Download a visual summary of this episode in the description and be sure to join the conversation in our Meeting Makers Facebook group. You can find our next Meeting Makers Academy workshop on our website at www.makemeetings.work forward slash academy. Want help with your next meeting? Reach out at makemeetings.work forward slash contact and we'll set up time to chat.